Konnichiwa, Minasan, and welcome to episode 9 of Reese Rambles, the official podcast of Control Alt Reese. Now, this is a very special AMA or Ask Me Anything episode. Uh, I asked members of my Discord community last night to give me some questions, uh, basically because I wasn't expecting to be at home today, and I found out yesterday that I would be, so uh, I, I would have the opportunity to sit down and record something, and I didn't really have anything planned. Um, so yeah, basically I've run out of ideas and thought I'll uh, ask the community to provide me with content, which is what you do when you run out of ideas in the world of YouTube and podcasts and whatnot. And they, uh, they've uh, definitely uh, come in clutch, as the kids would say, and come out with some, some great questions for me. So I'm going to be answering those, and I have quite a few of them, so uh, I really need to get on with this. But first, I just wanted to uh, touch on last week's topic again, uh, and that was uh, Kurt Vendell's AtariMuseum.com. So if you uh, haven't listened to that episode, uh, essentially I went into the Wayback Machine and I, I dug out uh, an old website called AtariMuseum.com. Uh, loads of broken links and missing images and stuff, and I managed to track them all down and put it together uh, over the course of a couple of days, and put that website back online. Um, Kurt Vendell, the, uh, the the guy who ran the website, uh, very sadly uh, passed away well before his time. Uh, he, was, he was only in his early 50s uh, back in 2020, and um, his uh, his hosting expired or the domains expired and those sites went offline and they were lost. And they'd been online since sort of the late 90s. Anyway, I, I covered all of this in the last episode. So if you're interested in the story behind that, uh, I recommend you go and listen to that. Um, but uh, I, I got chatting to a chap called Carl Morris on Twitter. Now, that's a name that um, came up a few times when I was working on the website. And uh, he, he was a fellow member of the Atari Historical Society alongside Kurt and kind of his partner in, in kind of maintaining the website. Uh, and he had his own site called atariexplorer.com. And Carl is, Carl is a really lovely chap. He's, he's uh, based over in Ireland. And uh, nowadays he has his own uh, book publishing company. And he's done a series of, of books on the history of Atari, some really fantastic ones. He's, he's done some game guides for the, uh, the ST and the Lynx. Um, and he, he did a series of books called We Love Atari, uh, which is really, really sort of in-depth look into Atari history and some really interesting kind of first-hand anecdotes and, and, and interviews and stuff from you know his years in the in the Atari Historical Society and like I say he, he worked alongside Kurt on this stuff and uh, he, he was really pleased uh, to see that the website was back online and he, he really got where I was coming from uh, with that um, wanted to kind of give people access to that again and um, yeah so that that, that was some uh, really nice validation obviously sadly Kurt, Kurt isn't around to give his his blessing nowadays um, but it was great to uh, it was great for Carl to say that, and I also kind of started on uh, his site as well, AtariExplorer.com, which I'm kind of trying to piece back together. That's in uh, slightly less of a less of a complete state, uh, unfortunately. I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, uh, the Wayback Machine didn't uh, didn't crawl it quite so completely, but there's quite a few bits missing. Uh, but he says that um, he's happy for me to kind of be the the custodian of that, and um, he's going to go and dig up his old backups and stuff. And uh, get those sent over to me, so I can I can get those sites back online, which is really nice. Uh, it's really fantastic to have that information out there. And uh, he's also working on a new version of Atari Explorer, which has been uh, a very long time coming by his own admission. Um, but uh, hopefully that won't be too far off. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll link to uh, I'll link to his uh, his company Zaffin Books in the usual places. Uh, really nice chap, uh, and of course the other the two websites that I've been kind of working on. Um, but yeah, it was just nice to kind of have that validation and that kind of recognition of what I was doing. It, it does mean a lot to me. So on to the main topic for this ramble, which is the AMA. Uh, sorry to anyone who's missed out on this. It was all very last minute. Um, but yeah, uh, I will be doing them again in future. Uh, thanks to everyone on my Discord server who's 
who've provided me with, with some fantastic questions. Uh, as I said, there's quite a lot of them, so uh, I think it's time to uh, start rattling through them and uh, see how it goes. So the first question is from DBK. Shout out to DBK, uh, someone I've actually met in person at uh, Neil uh, RMC's cave, a lovely chap, and he's been a supporter of the channel for a long time now, So uh, uh, and a really great member of the community. So question from DBK is, uh, what's been the most satisfying video you've worked on so far and why? Now, I actually didn't have to give this one too much thought. Um, I, I do get a lot of satisfaction from a lot of my videos, uh, stuff like the Atari 2800 history video. Uh, it, it was really nice to kind of tell that story. The Atari Panther stuff, obviously the, the video that I made of that kind of only really uh, touched on the research that I'd done. And I do want to make a much bigger, more in-depth one. Uh, but that, that was kind of satisfying as well to kind of do something that, that other people haven't covered before and kind of get those stories out there. Uh, and th there's a few like that. Uh, but the one that I would choose uh, that stands out probably the most out of everything that I've done uh, is the, the very first video that I did on my channel, which was the Atari 2600 that I modded for Jason Bradbury. Uh, Jason Bradbury, of course, being the uh, tech journalist, gadget show presenter uh, from the UK. And um, the, the reason that was the most satisfying video for me is because it was the start of my channel. And I, I know that sounds like a really cheesy answer, um, but I, I wanted to start a YouTube channel since the very early days of YouTube. You know, I've been watching people like LGR and the 8-Bit Guy and AVGN and, and people like that for the longest time now. And, I thought, and I've also been making videos, you know, in my spare time as a hobby, um, but never really sort of uploaded those to the internet because I guess I was, you know, I just didn't know how they'd be received and I didn't know if I could handle, uh, you know, <laughs> negative feedback on those. Um but I finally did it. I finally bit, bit the bullet. You know, I bought a uh, bought a decent microphone and wrote a proper script and you know recorded it all. Sat down, and I, I've watched that video again quite recently uh, because I wanted to refer back to something in it. Um, and it, it it's good if I if I do say so myself. You know, they say that if you don't look at look back on your old work and, and kind of cringe a bit, then uh, you're not improving. And obviously, there are bits that I do differently nowadays. You know, it's it's really it's really slow paced. I don't actually appear in it. You don't see my face at all. Um, I do waffle quite a lot, um, even though it was scripted. Um, I appreciate the irony of saying that in a ramble like this where I'm known for waffling. But um, yeah, there, there's certainly bits that I would have done differently. But it was it was very it was a very satisfying moment to kind of have that start of my channel to think, right, this is it. This is something that I'm going to be doing that I'm going to be putting proper work into, uh, you know, that I want to be successful and I want to kind of build a community around. And that was three and a half years ago. And I've uploaded regularly since then. Uh, not quite weekly. Um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but um, I've certainly uploaded every couple of weeks, um, at, you know, at the very least. And, um, you know, built built up, uh, you know, 22,000 subscribers and, and got a really fantastic community around the channel, um, including my Discord members who've asked me these questions here. So, yeah, most satisfying video was the first one because of what it led to and uh, this kind of empire that it's created. King Dave Ra. Shout out to King Dave Ra, another uh, big member of my community, uh, asks, can I have your Archimedes? So I have an Archimedes A305, which was the uh, the Acorn Archimedes, the, the very first computer with an ARM CPU. A great British success story, of course, ARM, um, you know, invented in the UK, uh, and now the, uh, now the CPU that powers all of our mobile devices. And the Archimedes A305 is the machine where it all started. And... Um, yeah, that, that, that's been quite heavily upgraded. Um, I've, it came with some quite interesting upgrades and I've done some other bits to it as well for the channel. Um, and that actually cost me quite a lot of money. Um, 
So the answer to the question, can you have it? Uh, yes, you can have it um, if you pay me for it, um, because I'd quite like to make that investment back. Uh, but I, I will put that money back into the channel, I promise. Uh, yeah, is that a fair deal? Sounds good. Naoki, a ah, good friend of mine, a lovely guy who I've, I've met a few times, um, has his own channel. I'll link to that in the usual places. Uh, Naoki's Retro Corner, he does uh, fantastic things with, um, he's building a DDR cabinet at the minute, in fact. But uh, yeah, very similar channel to mine. He puts a huge amount of work into it as well. So uh, definitely give him some love. Uh, but Naoki asks, what video, if any, did you abandon that you were hoping would have been good? And I, this is another one I didn't really have to think too long about because this was quite recent. And it was the IBM 5162, the 286 machine. Really love that machine, uh, really nice to work on. And I was really pleased with how it was all coming together. Um, but that was gonna be a four part series and it ended up being a three part series and part four hasn't come out. Um, and that was months ago. And the reason for that is because of the monitor. So I have an IBM 5153 CGA monitor, which I bought with my 5150 back in the day. And I was going to get it all set up with that because it matches it really nicely, you know, same styling and, you know, it would have, would have worked absolutely perfect with that machine. So I got it out, plugged it in, fired it up and it didn't work. So I took it apart and it turns out the power supply in those is a separate module that's uh, in a nice uh, separate metal box. So really nice monitor to work on. Um, and after some sort of very basic testing, um, I came to the conclusion that the power supply wasn't outputting the voltage that it should be. Uh, stripped it down, noticed that one of the caps had leaked, um, a couple of the others were bulging, so I thought, okay, recap it, and you know, that'd be nice, nice thing to show in the video. Uh, recorded it all in great detail, as you do. Um, got it all put, put back together, and it still didn't work, and I have no idea why. I presume there's probably supposed to be some kind of load on it that's required for it to output the correct voltage. Um, you know, it's expecting a certain load, and that actually maybe the PSU was fine all along, and it's something to do with the monitor itself. Um, I don't mind poking around inside monitors. They, they don't terrify me like, like they do with some people. You know, I know how to discharge them. I've done some flyback replacements and stuff over the years. Um, but it got to a point where I thought, well, this, this is quite a historic thing. That um, They're not all that common. Um, and uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't really, you know, I, yeah, I could just blindly go through and replace all the capacitors and that might fix it or it might be... I don't know. I don't know enough about CRTs. So what I've done is I've put that on the back burner for now um, until I can take it to someone who knows about CRTs. And what I really want to do is kind of sit down with them and go through the process with them. Um, maybe even, I mean, I don't want to intrude too much and, you know, shove a camera in their face, but maybe even kind of make a video of that as well, just so I can learn about that um, myself, rather than just sending it off somewhere and getting it back working and not really knowing what they've done. Um, so that's on hold for now, um, but I, yeah, I guess you could consider it abandoned. Um, so yeah, that's that's my answer to that question. The IBM 5153 monitor, which was supposed to be part four of the IBM 5162 series. So a question now from Mumbo King. Have you ever thought about challenging Davy 504 to a base battle? Well, so if you're not familiar with Davey504, he's a huge channel, he's got millions of subscribers, and he plays the bass, uh, much like I do. I started playing the bass when I was about 14, 15, something like that. Um, I played in a band and all sorts of stuff. I haven't picked it up for uh, quite a few years now. Um, and Davey, uh, Davey is a really uh, incredibly talented guy and would absolutely thrash me. But I suppose there is the... Uh, Obviously, uh, the, there's the exposure to consider, um, and obviously, uh, I'm not quite sure how many subscribers he's on now, but it's at least a couple of million. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if I was featured on his channel, then that would probably uh, send some people my way. 
so have I ever considered it? No. Um, but now, upon consideration, yeah, I'd, I'd take him on. Uh, I'd lose quite uh, quite uh, fantastically um, and epic spectacularly. Um, but yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it. I'd do it for the. Uh, I'd do it for the channel. I'd take one for the team, um, just for the publicity aspect of it. Garrow would like to know the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow, and the only thing I can say to that is, African or European. Darren asks, would you rather fight one hundred bee-sized ducks or one duck-sized bee? Good question, Darren. Um, I was thinking about this last night as I was drifting off to sleep, and uh, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm lucky. I didn't lucky. I didn't have nightmares about giant bees. Um, so basically, uh, we have bees. We have a beehive in our garden, uh, and we also have three Indian runner ducks. So uh, I think this is a question that I'm uh, uniquely qualified to answer. And basically, ducks are pretty chaotic when they get together. Um, they're they're just complete nutcases. And I think having 100 of them, um, even if they were bee-sized, would be quite hilarious. Um, and also, I don't think they'd really do much damage. Obviously, obviously, I have to think of the uh, think of this from the the angle of having to fight them. Um, and yeah, I mean, ducks will peck you and they'll give you a bit of a bruise. But if they were bee-sized, it would probably just tickle. Um, so I think that would be fine. Uh, whereas a duck-sized bee would be pretty terrifying. I mean, it, it would be really loud. Um, it would have a huge stinger. And of course, a standard-sized bee, if that stings you, you know, it, it can kill you if you if you have uh, an anaphylactic reaction to that. Um, you know, something. I mean, how much bigger is a bee is a duck than a bee? Uh, Ten thousand times the size, something like that. Um, I, I think you'd pretty much uh, be dead instantly if it did sting you. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to go for the ducks, um, but it would be it would be quite hilarious to see. So uh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's also that aspect of it too. The next question comes from Steve's Tech Shed. Shout out to Steve's Tech Shed, great channel. Uh, he likes playing with uh, old PCs and IBM stuff, and has a solar powered shed. So uh, well worth checking out. I will link that in the usual places. And Steve asks, have you considered defecting to Bluetti? I think that's how you say it, Bluetti. Um, and they, they they make um, power banks and um, you know these these big lithium power station things similar to the EcoFlows that I've that I've that I have and that that I've uh, reviewed on my channel. And uh, the answer to that question is uh, basically they've never got in touch with me and, and offered to send me anything for free. So no, um, you know as I said in my videos, if I, I you know I was considering buying one of these things anyway. EcoFlow reached out to me. They're a good brand. Um, you know, had quite a good reputation, uh, and that's why I said yes, and I was quite pleased with it. Other than the fan noise, which I, I did complain about, um, and that was still a problem on the other model that they sent me as well. And uh, they, they've now gone in touch and offered to send me a Delta, so I'm, I'm thinking about that. Uh, but I don't want to do too many sponsored videos too close together. Um, but hey, if that was Bluetti, then uh, I probably would have said yes to them. But uh, EcoFlow just happened to get their foot in the door first. But Bluetti, if you're listening, uh, hit me up. Maybe we can do a deal. So Andrew is next, and he has asked me quite a few questions. Now, he interviewed me for Pixel Addict magazine a while back, um, a magazine that I also wrote an article for on the Atari Panther. And um, yeah, so uh, he's gone into uh, magazine interviewing mode and asked me a few questions. Very much appreciated, though. They're all good questions. Uh, so I'm going to answer them to the best of my ability. Uh, I'll link to Pixel Addict uh, because I'm a nice guy and that's the kind of thing that I do. And it is a genuinely great magazine that I do subscribe to and very much enjoy. But Andrew asks, if you could go back to the 1990s and advise Atari on their next move after the STE, what would you say? Great question and one that I have pondered. And um, I think there's a quite an obvious answer to that in that uh, they should have done PCs. Um, in fact, they did do PCs. Obviously, they released their PC line in 1986, 
seven. I've literally just made a video about it, so I should know that. Um, and then they, they discontinued it in uh, 1992, and they made some really fantastic PCs in that time. Uh, you know, they, they designed their own motherboards and their own chipsets and stuff, and uh, they, they were really kind of slightly different and kind of stand out compared to what the competition were doing. And uh, it's a real shame that they didn't invest more heavily in that. Uh, so, yes, they should have done PCs, you know, obviously the Atari logo and, and, and the uh, name having quite a lot of cachet and quite a lot of clout, um, even in those days. And they perhaps they could have focused on gaming. Obviously, gaming PCs didn't really become a thing until kind of the uh, 3DFX era and 3D accelerated stuff. Um, but they could have been an early pioneer of that. You know, they, they could have done PC ports of some of their arcade classics and sold them, you know, bundled them with some nice... Um, you know, EGA machines with ad-lib sound cards and uh, and done that, or maybe even done their own sound card, maybe. I don't know. But yes, um, evidently uh, the Motorola 68000 was going to be a dead end and IBM compatible was where it was at, and that's where they should have focused their attention, but they didn't. Andrew also asks, where would you like to see your channel in a year's time? And I think the answer to that is... Um, where it is now but um, maybe with a few more subscribers you know i've got a great community around the channel um you know i'm really happy with the videos that i'm producing they're of the quality that uh, I, I kind of strive for uh, i've been really pleased with a lot of the, the kind of the recent output on the channel and i, I just want to continue doing that really um you know i'm sure you're probably expecting an answer like a hundred thousand subscribers or whatever and that would be nice now, don't get me wrong you know it's nice to kind of get that recognition and uh, it, it all makes it worthwhile to know that people are watching this stuff um but i'm happy doing what i'm doing and if i'm still doing this in a year's time and still uh, churning out stuff of the quality that i'm doing um then yeah i'll, I'll be really happy so yeah that's uh, that's where i would like to see my channel in a year's time Another question from Andrew. The solar videos have bumped views and subscribers. You have talked to viewers about the wish to ensure the channel maintains its roots. How do you feel about the potential for solar to diverge the content a little? Great question. Um, I, yeah, I want to shift the focus away from the solar stuff a bit. Obviously, I'm going to give updates fairly uh, infrequently because people are interested in that and uh, it, it is kind of an integral part of what I do. Uh, with the channel. Um, no plans to spin off a separate solar channel or something. I did kind of consider it at one point when that first video was blowing up, but um, I don't think I'd be able to commit to it. Uh, I think it would take time away from the stuff that I really enjoy doing. Um, and the solar stuff just isn't all that interesting to me. You know, it, I mean, it would turn into a reviews channel where people like EcoFlow and Bluetti and, and you know, Anchor and people like that would just endlessly send me stuff and I'd review it on camera. And I don't think I'd enjoy that. I don't enjoy those videos as much as I do uh, the actual technical content. So, uh, yeah, no, no plans to uh, change anything as a result of the, the success of the solar stuff. I think uh, I'm going to stick to doing what I'm doing. Another question from Andrew. Are there any projects that you have lined up that are just a bit too daunting and you keep putting off? So yes, a couple. Um, there's a Commodore PET that I bought from the Northwest Computer Museum, which is in quite a sorry state. Um, obviously quite a rare and, and important machine and quite a valuable machine, and I, I really want to do that justice. So I've been putting that off. Um, I've been acquiring some bits to uh, sort of get started on putting that back together, but I, I want to. I don't want to start it and then have that get held up and, and you know, uh, drag on forever so that's one that i have been putting off and uh, yes it is daunting because it, it is just an important machine and i want to get it right um but yeah i, I have a few really um one that i, I want to mention is the uh, lego atari 2600 that my wife uh, very 
uh, kindly bought me for, for Christmas. Uh, it's a really amazing uh, Lego model. I'm, I'm sat here looking at it now. And I haven't put it together yet, despite that being <laughs> despite that being four months ago. Uh, and the reason for that is because I really wanted to make a video about it. And I wasn't really sure how to approach it. You know, is it is it worth doing a review? Well, I don't really know enough about Lego to... I mean, obviously, I've built a fair few Lego models in my time, but I don't really know enough about it to kind of review it in an authoritative way. Um, I did get some nice shots of the box, um, you know, with a view to kind of starting a video. And um, then I kind of put it down again and moved on to something else. Um, perhaps might build that on a, a series of live streams at some point. I, I would quite like to get back into live streaming. Um, but yeah, that, that's another one that I've been putting off for far too long. Another question, again from Andrew. Does seeing the likes of Neil setting up a visitor space ever give you thoughts of doing a similar thing? Uh, the simple answer to that is no. Um, of course, the thought has crossed my mind, I think, as it has with uh, anyone who's got far too much of this stuff. And hey, you know, never say never, maybe one day as a retirement project. Um, but for now, uh, I'm not really a people person. I, I, you know, I think uh, kind of milling around and, and um, you know, talking to people all day and, and putting on a, a happy face and, and kind of hosting them and making sure they're happy. Uh, that That's not really the kind of thing that I enjoy, uh, so to speak. I've done my time in retail and it's quite stressful. I'm sure it would be very different if it was my own space and it was something that I was passionate about. Uh, but there's plenty of people around who are doing a fantastic job of that already. And I would rather support that kind of thing, um, you know, by, by supporting that kind of thing, by, uh, you know, making videos, as, as I have done on various museums, just to kind of help promote them um, and supporting them, you know, financially by buying stuff off them and, you know, supporting their patrons and, and, and that kind of thing as well. Um yeah, so the answer to that is no. Uh, but creatively, uh, if I did have the kind of time that Neil has, obviously because he's he is a full-time YouTuber and doesn't have to um, obviously hold down a full-time job as, as well as making the videos, you know, if I did have that free time uh, to do something kind of creative and build something, I think I'd quite like to write. Uh, I'd like to write like books and, and magazine articles and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I'd probably sort of focus my attention more on that side because uh, I really enjoy kind of the research and the scripting side of things. So uh, yeah, no plans to open my own cave, but uh, very supportive of others who are who are doing that. So the final question from Andrew in this batch, at least, uh, do you get offered donations? Yes, uh, people offer me stuff all the time. Uh, very, very much appreciated. Uh, it's very kind of them. Um, I got that uh, ST, the Atari ST test rig from the Northwest Computer Museum. Um, I tried to give that back and uh, they refused and, and said I could keep it, which was very nice of them. Um, somebody, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but um, I've had a couple of Commodore 64s sent to me, which have just sat in the boxes in the loft. Um, someone sent me an Atari portfolio. Of course, Gary uh, very kindly sent me the Atari PC, which I've done the recent videos on. And uh, I've actually started turning them down. I've, I've had a few people get in touch recently uh, with stuff. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult to say no, because I don't want to come across as ungrateful. Uh, but the, the two problems are really, um, the one being that I, I already have far too much stuff uh, and I'm very easily distracted and I already already have a list of videos that I want to make that's as long as my arm. Um, so adding stuff to that pile just just makes life, life a bit more stressful for me, really. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want that to come across in the wrong way. Uh, and I think the other issue is that um, if people donate something to a YouTube channel, they expect to see it on the channel. And... Um, 
you know, even if they're not um, very, if if they're not insistent on that, and you know, they they don't get upset that you don't feature it. Um, I think it's nice if, if you send someone something. It's nice to kind of see it in a video, and uh, if that doesn't happen, or if it's a very long time until that happens, then it's it's a little bit disappointing for them. Um, so you know, I don't want to let people down in that respect either. Um, so for now, I am saying no to donations. Um, I did say yes to the Atari PC because uh, that is something that I've wanted for a very long time and something that I was looking out for and specifically trying to get. But yeah, it's, it's just a case of uh, not sitting on a massive mountain of stuff and uh, also managing people's expectations. Steve's Tech Shed is back with another question. Where were you born and what's your mother's maiden name? Now, Steve, I'm not sure if you're trying to hack into my uh, online banking or what, but um, I think I, I should probably skip this question. Uh, I will say that I was born in Leicestershire and I still live in Leicestershire in the Midlands in the UK, very nice part of the world, uh, not particularly noteworthy for anything, um, other than the fact that they found Richard III under a car park, um, buried under a car park in Leicester a few years ago, um, and then they uh, revamped and refurbished the cathedral and all of that part of the city uh, as a result of that to try to turn it into a kind of tourist destination. Um, but I don't think we get many tourists because it's just not a very exciting part of the world. King Dave Ra is back with another question, uh, and he asks, who do you work for? Now, I think that was supposed to be an Austin Powers reference, but uh, I'm going to answer it anyway. Um, the answer is myself. The next one is from Rich, that Elmo-loving uh, pillar of the community that he is. A fantastic guy. I have a lot of time for Rich. He's a lovely guy. Um, so I'm going to answer his question, and uh, Rich's question is, could you tell me about Loom? Good question, Rich. You mean the latest masterpiece of fantasy storytelling from Lucasfilm's Brian Moriarty? Why, it's an extraordinary adventure with an interface of magic, stunning high-resolution 3D landscapes, sophisticated score and musical effects, not to mention the detailed animation and special effects, elegant point-and-click control of characters, objects and magic spells. Beat the rush, go out and buy Loom today. Steve's Tech Shed with a serious question this time, and uh, it's, uh, what's the worst disaster you've had trying to fix something? So years and years ago, before I even had a YouTube channel, uh, I bought a Mac SE30, which uh, they're actually quite valuable now, um, but they were still relatively cheap back in those days. And it, um, I had a couple of issues with that, one being that um, I bought a network card for it, and they're quite, quite rare, these network cards. And um, I, I put that in, and there was a ribbon cable to connect up, I remember. I don't remember the exact details of it, but it, it connected with a ribbon cable internally. And I got the cable the wrong way round. And um, when I powered it up, because it wasn't keyed like, um, you know, like IDE cables, and when I powered it up, there was a bang and smoke came out of it. Um, and of course, I hastily turned it off and kind of took it apart again. And one of the chips on the network card had actually like blown up, like physically blown a hole in the chip. Um, so of course that was completely ruined. And those those cards for those machines are really, really rare. Um, again, you know, this was like 15, 20 years ago when this stuff was kind of unwanted and, and still relatively cheap. Um, but yeah, that, that was a catastrophe. And also with that machine, um, it needed recapping. I had it for a few years and then at, at some point it, it kind of stopped working. And I read on the internet that uh, it needed recapping. Of course, they use uh, surface mount caps on those, and I didn't have the equipment or the experience at the time, so I just kind of went at it with a soldering iron um, and ended up like lifting some of the traces and stuff. I did manage to uh, get the new caps soldered in and kind of get it patched up, and it did fix it, and it did work after that. Um, and I sold it on eBay, 
Um, and no idea what happened to that. And uh, obviously, I didn't confess to the fact that I'd <laughs> taken it apart and uh, kind of butchered the insides. Um, hey, you know, for, for all the for all the buyer was concerned, I could have bought it like that. Very dishonest of me, and uh, not something I'd do nowadays. But um, you know, I, I was a poor student, and uh, there, there were different times. And obviously, uh, you know, the sums of money involved were a lot less than they would have been these days as well. So uh, my conscience is. Uh, not entirely clear on that one, but um, yeah. Another question from Steve's Tech Shed. Have you ever thrown a piece of equipment at the wall and stormed out of your cave? Uh, no, um, I don't tend to get frustrated and throw stuff around, um, you know, rage quitting and throwing controllers and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm generally quite a mellow person. Yeah. It's an arse. First question from It's an Arse. Um, that's uh, Jack from the Northwest Computer Museum. Shout out to them. Um, why don't you have more Macs? Um, I love old Macs. Um, I would have more old Macs if it was up to me. It's certainly a, a topic that I'd, I'd like to cover on the channel. Uh, two issues, really. One comes back to this old problem of uh, already having too much stuff. Um, and the other one is there's a channel called Action Retro, and I highly urge you to check him out because he makes some fantastic videos. And he pretty much exclusively covers old Macs uh, and does some really fun things with them and does a much better job of it than I ever could. So, uh, yeah, watch his channel. Um, and that saves me having to make those videos. So Steve is back. Steve's Tech Shed. Have you ever banned anyone from your Discord? Will I be the first? Um, the answer to that is yes, I, I did have to ban someone uh, at one point. Um, so you wouldn't be the first. Uh, but I wouldn't ban you anyway because I like you. It's an ask once again uh, asks, can I send all of my stuff to your house? Um, my only answer to that is uh, I know how much stuff you have. And uh, no, I've, I've already got too much stuff and you've got too much stuff. And if you sent it to me, it would be a catastrophe. So no. So Chrissy, shout out to Chrissy, lovely chap. Met him a few times in real life. He gave me lots of stuff that I never did anything with, which goes back to the uh, old donations question. Um, but Chrissy asks, if you had to choose between a Falcon, a Jaguar, an STFM, which would you blend, marry, and avoid? That's not usually how that question goes, is it? And that's really thrown me um, because I guess blend is a bad thing because um, obviously that would imply that I would put it in a blender. Um, if I had a big enough blender, um, I'd probably, yeah, I, I would blend the Falcon because uh, much as they're a very expensive and desirable machine, there's not really anything useful you can do with them. Um, and they're, they're really uh, not worth the exorbitant fees uh, that people charge for them. So, uh, yeah, I would, uh, yeah, I would blend the Falcon. Um, marry and avoid. Mm. STFM, I mean, I, I can cheat because you specified the STFM here. I can actually cheat a bit on this question because I had the STE as a kid uh, and I still have it, in fact, and, and that was superior to the STFM. So I can quite happily avoid that. Um, and I would marry the Jaguar because um, there are at least two, maybe three good games on the Jag. Um, so, yeah, that would keep me occupied for minutes. Um, and I say that as a huge lover of all things Jag. Um, so yeah, It's an Arse is back uh, from the Northwest Computer Museum and he has asked, why haven't you replaced your Jaguar with a CDI? Well, I'm married to it now. So um, I think div the divorce proceedings would be uh, quite expensive and convoluted. Uh, and I'd like to avoid that and kind, kind of, you know, stick with it and try and make this work if I can. Another one from Andrew, and he asks, most pointless purchase, although there's no question mark on that. Um, so it could just be a statement, uh, but I'm, I'm going to treat it as a question. Um, and my most pointless purchase was probably uh, my Famicom stuff, all of it. Um, I, I've, I've worked out how to modify them to add the composite video output. Um, and I started buying loads of them from Japan and modifying them and selling them on eBay. And I made, I made quite good money from that. Um, so that aspect wasn't really pointless, I guess. Um, 
but I also got into buying just loads of games and, you know, I, I bought the robot and the uh, family computer basic and the light gun and all of that stuff. And it looks really cool on the shelf. You know, I, I love all the uh, the uh, proper Japanese Nintendo stuff. But I've just uh, I've just never done anything with it, and it just kind of sits there. And I have no uh, emotional or personal connection to the uh, Famicom like I do with the Atari stuff. So yeah, that was all pretty pointless, and uh, I'd need to get around to selling it really to make some space and get some money back. Mark, shout out to Mark, asks: uh, Have you considered diversifying control reefs into additional side channels focused on solar or home improvement? And this harks back to the question that uh, Andrew asked earlier about um, you know the solar content and stuff. Um, have I considered it? Yes, I have considered it. When that first solar video uh, really took off and got popular, I thought, oh, you know, maybe I could, um, you know, I, I could set up a specific solar channel and kind of target this market. There's obviously a lot of demand for it, uh, but ultimately, I decided that, um, yeah, that that would be a bit of a, a waste of my my time that I'd rather spend uh, fixing these old computers and, and consoles and things. Um, but you know, if I got to a point where I uh, where I gave up my day job and started YouTubing full time, um, then yeah, I think options like that would be certainly be worth exploring. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's the answer to that. So Lee, Lee from the channel More Fun Making It, fantastic YouTube channel uh, that you should all go and subscribe to. And I will, of course, link to him in the usual places. Lovely chap. Uh, and Lee asks, do you think YouTube rewards creators fairly? If yes, justify your terrible opinion. If no, by how much are they short? Uh, and I think we can see where Lee stands on this particular question. Now, there's one thing that I always say uh, when the uh, topic of kind of advertising and, you know, uh, the cost of YouTube premium and all that kind of stuff comes up. There's one thing that I kind of always say in YouTube's defense, uh, and it does apply here as well. And that's that it, you know, it, it's this huge global platform that uh, is open to everyone. You know, anyone can upload videos to YouTube and, and, and have them, you know, have access to that potential global audience. Uh, and it's pretty unique in that respect, in that it's it's kind of this, um, you know, it, it, well, I, I was going to say it's kind of a level playing field. It's not obviously. It's kind of weighted uh, more in favour of, of kind of the bigger channels and, and in favour of certain kinds of content. Uh, but ultimately, you know, anyone can start a YouTube channel and start uploading stuff to it, and that's incredibly valuable. And it's it's not a service that you can really get elsewhere, and um, certainly not with with access to that kind of audience and that kind of brand recognition, anyway. And it's an insanely expensive platform to run, um, you know, streaming uh, 4K video anywhere in the world, you know, with that kind of performance and all the extra kind of features and stuff that YouTube offers on top of that. Um, and I think sometimes people forget that and they, they kind of, you know, think that they're entitled to kind of put stuff on there and, and instantly have it shown to an audience of of billions uh, when it's a massively competitive platform because people are uploading, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of video to YouTube, you know, every second almost. Um, I'm not sure what the exact figure is, but it, it is something insane like that. And you've got to think that, uh, you know, the, the huge overwhelming majority of that is just complete and utter rubbish. Um, you know, it, it's only the good stuff that kind of filters to the top. Um, so do you think YouTube rewards creators fairly? Well, interesting question, isn't it? Because uh, I don't make a huge amount of money from YouTube. I do put a huge amount of work into it. Um, am I entitled to earn more from it? Um I mean, you could say the existence of Patreon and, and merchandise and, and uh, you know, sponsored things uh, obviously indicates that uh, it doesn't reward creators fairly for the work that they put in. But then you see people, you know, the huge channels like Mr. Beast, and they're making, you know, millions and millions out of it. Um, so it's unbalanced um, by its very nature. Um, yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on the subject. I know it's not really a, a definitive answer, but... Um, 
yeah, I, I mean, I'm quite happy with my channel. I, you know, what I get out of it is is kind of the community and and sort of getting information out there and having that platform that makes that accessible to anyone and everyone. I think is a very valuable thing. Uh, if I could make a full time living out of my twenty thousand subscribers, then yeah, I guess that would be nice too. But um, I certainly don't expect it. I'm not quite sure what level that becomes uh, a reasonable proposition. But interesting, interesting question. Another question from Lee from Morphin Making It. Do you consider now the golden age of YouTube? Or did we miss that boat? Is it still to come? What would that look like? Good questions. Good questions. Right. So I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, and uh, he was the uh, one of the, the hosts was talking about... Uh, they were talking about VidCon, I think, uh, which is like a big convention that they used to have for YouTubers. I say used to because I think TikTok sponsor it now and they've kind of taken over the whole thing and just ruined it. Uh, which is probably to be expected. Um, but he was talking about, you know, 10 years ago, everyone who was kind of big on YouTube over a certain size knew each other personally because um, there just weren't that many of them. And they'd have these conventions and they'd all meet up. And, uh, you know, anyone with over a million subscribers was was just kind of friends with everyone else. Um, and that nowadays, you know, there are channels with tens of millions of subscribers that they've never heard of. So I think it's obvious from that that YouTube is bigger than ever. And um, yeah, this this kind of harks back to the, the previous question. Um, you know, it, it's it's more accessible than ever. You know, it, it's so easy to record a video now. Uh, the quality of uh, phone cameras and, and that kind of stuff uh, means that anyone and everyone can start their own YouTube channel. And, um, you know, there's that potential out there. There's that audience out there to, to make it really big. So I would say that now is probably the golden age, um, you know, as, as a viewer. And I have to admit, when, when I first saw this, uh, when I first saw this question, I kind of thought, well, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was uh, ten years ago when the, it was all people like LGR and Eight Bit Guy and that kind of stuff. But uh, no, I think now, I think, and the quality of stuff on YouTube nowadays as well, um, you know, it's uh, it a lot of it can sort of start to rival uh, broadcast quality stuff, TV stuff, and Netflix Netflix stuff, and it, it's it's all made by amateurs, and I think that's fantastic. So uh, yeah, we we are living through the golden age. Um, and, you know, if it, there's never been a better time to sort of get on board. There's never been a more competitive time to get on board. Um, but also, uh, you know, the, the potential to uh, succeed, uh, I think, is greater than ever. Because potential audiences is greater than ever. So the third question from Lee from Morphin Making It. Thanks for these questions, Lee. They are fantastic. Uh, which single thing would you change if you were in charge of YouTube for a day? I would put what host snorkers on every feed, no matter what you clicked. Humanity would thank me. You can give a serious answer. Well, I have to, I have to say I agree with that. What host Snorker's amazing channel, really creative guy. Um, does a lot of stuff with uh, Spectrum, old Spectrum games, uh, fixing and improving them. Uh, but where he goes really above and beyond is, is like his cosplay stuff and his, his kind of um, little skits that he does uh, talking to himself. They're absolutely fantastic, hilarious. Um, you know, in that vein of um, you know classic British uh, carry on and pantomime humour and that stuff. I, I I love it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, in fact, I'm going to link to him, even though he didn't ask me a question because I like him that much. Um, and I think that's a good suggestion. Yeah, just just force everyone to watch Snorkers all the time, and the world would be a better place. But uh, yeah, uh, on a more serious note, um, personally, I would uh, I would stop pushing breaking news on everyone um, all the time. I, I go onto YouTube and. Quite often there's a breaking news section and then I hide it and it says, would you like to hide this section? And it disappears. Uh, and then for some reason it comes back eventually. Uh, and it's always depressing to see. And I don't go to YouTube to watch that stuff. You know, if, if I want the latest news, I can go on my phone and open up a news app or, you know, I, I can turn on the TV and go to one of the very many uh, news channels on there. 
you know, when I go onto YouTube and there's stuff about US politics and, you know, people arguing about uh, God, stuff that stuff that I really don't want to get into at the minute. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, I go to YouTube to, for fun stuff and for entertainment and, and for education. You know, I, I don't go there to see all the uh, depressing stuff that's uh, constantly going on around me 24-7. You know, it, it's an escape from that. So uh, if I ran YouTube for a day, I would get rid of the breaking news section. Um, and certainly uh, sort of the uh, the heavily uh, politically biased stuff that's uh, only there to provoke a reaction and, and, and kind of uh, get people's clicks. So the fourth and final question from Lee from More Fun Making It. You have an unlimited budget. What video do you make? And I didn't have to think about this one for very long at all, actually, to be honest. Um, I would travel the world with my wife and uh, we would eat and drink like kings. Um, yeah, that's what we do. Um, I love travel. I love going to places, as does my wife. And uh, we love uh, eating and drinking all of their food and looking at their stuff and uh, learning about their cultures. And if I could make videos about that, uh, I would be I would be living the dream. So, yeah, unlimited budget. That's what I do. Travel the world. Derek, shout out to Derek, a lovely chap, uh, another one who I've met a few times in real life. Um, do you still have a Holy Grail item you wish to purchase? I'd really like an Atari Falcon uh, for the same reason I bought the Jag was uh, because I had the ST as a kid and it was just one of those systems that I was always reading about and uh, kind of always dreaming about and it seemed like it was going to be the next big thing. Uh, as it happened, uh, it wasn't uh, very good and um, there's not really much decent software for it. But to complete the collection, um, particularly of the era of Atari that I'm interested in, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like a Falcon. But I wouldn't like to pay the thousands that uh, people seem to want for them. So uh, that's the reason I don't have one. Steve's Tech Shed asks, have you sold something you wish you kept? And there are a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, one is my Atari Jaguar collection. So back around the turn of the century, uh, when I was a poor student, uh, Atari Jaguar stuff was was ridiculously cheap. And uh, I, I bought one in the box and, you know, had loads of bits with it. Uh, loads of boxed games, uh, boxed sealed games were 10 a penny at the time, bought loads of those, opened them, played them. Uh, and then a few years later, I sold it all. And uh, now, of course, uh, 15 years later, I've ended up buying it all back at uh, <laughs> 10 times what I sold it for all those years ago. Um, so obviously, if I, I knew. If, I guess if I knew at the time that I was going to be doing this longer term, I probably would have held on to that. But um, yeah, that's one regret. Uh, the other one, not something that uh, I kind of regret, but um, uh, just a, just a, a story really about selling stuff. Uh, my MIDI modules, so like the Roland Sound canvases and the MT32 and stuff like that. Um, I bought quite a few of those uh, a few years back, and then uh, like two years ago, um, obviously pandemic and, and stuff like that. I uh, I ended up selling it all on eBay, um, made quite a nice profit on those. Um, and then not long after that, I ended up buying them back um, from Japan again. Um, so yeah, uh, I sold those, decided that I actually didn't want to sell them uh, and ended up buying some more. But it ended up being a good thing because uh, I made a little bit of uh, profit out of that. Mumbo King asks, do you watch or have you watched YouTube poops? Uh, so yeah, YouTube poops are when uh, people edit uh, videos together to make uh, stupid other uh, videos. Very familiar with them. I can't say I'm a regular viewer, but uh, I did have one. I did have a couple with um, the 8-bit guy and Techmoan pop up uh, in my uh, in my feed a while back, which I watched and uh, it was very amusing. Uh, I think there was one about um, Techmoan. Uh, he, he kept bothering the 8-bit guy and like showing up at his house and uh, phoning him and stuff, uh, which was quite funny. And uh, yeah, creative stuff and very hilarious, funny stuff. Maybe one day someone will make one about me. Um, you never know. That's Maybe that's how I'll know that I've made it. 
Another question from Mumbo King who asks, Daddy or Chips? Which of course is a reference to uh, an old British TV advert from the, I think from the 90s for McCain oven chips or something like that. Um, yeah, when it comes to chips, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's fries for the benefit of our American listeners. Um, I'm not a huge fan of chip shop chips. Um, I think they're really uh, quite stodgy and um, I can't eat too many of them. They uh, they give me like indigestion, I guess. Um, I do like my skinny fries, uh, you know, nice and uh, skinny and crispy and, and super salty. Um, skinny fries are fantastic. Um, so yeah, I guess it depends on the type of chips. So next up, I have a question from Catriona. Hello, Catriona. I hope you're doing well. Uh, thanks for your support and uh, being a wonderful part of my community. And Catriona asks, what do you think are the three most important things for somebody who wants to start a retro computing YouTube channel? And this is something uh, I've given a lot of thought to um, and, and something I have kind of touched on uh, in previous uh, rambles as well. And uh, the three most important things. So number one, uh, which I would say is the most important thing for anyone making a YouTube channel, and that is to make good videos. And uh, that, that's the thing that could be broken down, um, you know, into, <laughs> into so many different aspects. Um, but I think uh, it, the, there's a lot of people out there. Well, I say a lot of people out there. You know, there, there are people out there who are really passionate about something and they just want to point a camera at themselves and they want to record themselves doing it and they want to share that with the world. And that's great. You know, I think I think that's fantastic. And I, I do watch channels like that. Um but I think you, you kind of you have to go into it prepared and know what you're going to say and kind of know what story you're going to tell uh, with the video. Um, I mean, I, I kind of fully script most of my videos in advance because uh, I, I don't like to waste people's time. Um, obviously, this this ramble thing is a bit different, but uh, on my actual channel, um, you know, I, I, I like to uh, sort of be very concise and, and kind of uh, package something up as, as kind of a story that's kind of self-contained and kind of present it in that way, like a, like a TV show almost. And I think the uh, obviously the level of competition on YouTube is kind of at a standard now where uh, that's kind of kind of important if you want to stand out and, and you want to do well. Of course, if you do just want to kind of share your passion uh, with, with people, um, then you, you shouldn't let that barrier of entry uh, be... Uh, you know, be, be an impediment to that and, and kind of hold you back from that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, going into it, knowing what you're going to say. Um, obviously, uh, I think pretty much everyone has a, a decent enough camera nowadays with, uh, you know, smartphones and stuff. Uh, audio is quite important. Uh, you know, good videos can be can be completely ruined by terrible audio. Uh, so at the very least, uh, you know, maybe a lapel mic or uh, at least a, a shotgun you know, on-camera shotgun mic, something like the Rode Video Micro, which uh, fits onto uh, a smartphone, uh, you know, will massively improve the audio quality. Uh, lighting is also, um, you know, can make things look a lot more professional. But all that said, that's not, that's not really the uh, the kind of the be-all and end-all. And I, I will get onto the, that in uh, in my third point. But my, my second point would be uh, community uh, and building a community around the channel. And I think there are people out there who think that, um, you know, if they make videos and they're good enough and then they just kind of tweet them out and you know kind of put them out there and, and then just um you know post about them on their social media and that's it um that the viewers will come to them and i think building a community around a channel is a really important thing and this is something i kind of learned from from neil from rmc you know there, there, there are some channels out there that, that don't have a community around them at all and have kind of succeeded despite themselves just because they've been at it for so long and and <laughs> 
you know putting stuff out there for so long but uh obviously the thing that neil's done is kind of built up his his discord server and um obviously he's got the cave and everything else and puts on events and things like that and i think um involving people in what you do and letting them have their their kind of feedback on what you do and, and kind of genuinely listening to them and appreciating them as a community of people who support you and enable you to do this uh, is a is a really important aspect of youtube it certainly is to me um and i think it's uh I think it's something that's important in uh, kind of a channel's success as well. Um, so yeah, community, build a community around your channel. And that, uh, that doesn't just mean a one-way thing of uh, blasting stuff out on social media and saying, everyone watch my latest video and then getting upset when nobody does. Um, you know, it's it's important to kind of have that that relationship with people and, and keep them engaged and keep chatting to them and, you know, be, be genuine with them and, and friendly with them. Um, you know, I think that's really important. But all that said, uh, the one kind of big piece of advice that I would give to anyone uh, wanting to start a YouTube channel, whether that be retro computing uh, or anything else really, uh, is to get on with it. Um, <laughs> it's been, uh, you know, it, it took me over 10 years to, to make my first video and get that out there, as, as I kind of uh, talked about at the beginning of this, this AMA uh, session. And uh, sometimes you can overcomplicate things and think, oh, you know, my, my camera's not good enough, my microphone's not good enough, my lighting's not good enough, you know, I'm not prepared properly. All the, all the stuff that I said in point one that, that was kind of the most important thing. Um, actually, sometimes you've just got to put something out there. You've just got to get on with it. Um, you know, a channel is nothing without videos, without content. And um, you have to start somewhere. And that those first videos that anyone makes are, are not going to be, they're not going to live up to your full potential. This is, I mean, this is something I've talked about before. Um, you know, that they're not going to live up to your full potential because you don't have the, the experience um, of making those videos. And the only way to get that experience is to do it. Um, and, you know, that, that, that doesn't just apply to the process of, of making videos themselves, but also running a channel and, and kind of running a community. Um, so anyone who, who kind of wants to start a retro computing channel or, or any other kind of YouTube channel, uh, my number one piece of advice, and you can actually disregard all of the stuff that I said before, because that can come later, um, you know, once you're established, once you kind of, uh, uh, you know, in, into the into the swing of things, um, I would say is get on with it, make a video, get it out there, uh, see how it's received, um, you know, engage with people who give you feedback on that and, and talk to them and kind of make them feel appreciated. Uh, and build upon that and build from there. So uh, yeah, three pieces of advice. One is make good videos. Number two is uh, build a good community. Uh, and number three is actually you can ignore those first two uh, and just get on with it. And uh, as long as uh, you, as long as you consider the first two at some point uh, as the channel grows. So the final question is from DBK. Given the time it must take to run a channel, have you found any big time savers since you started in production that give you more free time? Or does any time saved get invested back into the quality of your work? Well, I'll, I'll answer the second part first, uh, and that is yes. Uh, any time that I save uh, on the actual production of the videos goes back into either you know producing other videos, uh, research and scripting and social media and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, any time that I can save is good because that's more time that I can spend on the channel. Uh, the first part, um, yeah, I've tried a few things over the years to try to sort of streamline my process. Um, first one was on-camera audio. Um, so when I did my first few videos, I, I bought the Rode NT-USB microphone uh, that I mentioned before. And I, I had that kind of off-camera and then I had, had to, um, when I was editing stuff, I, I had to resync the audio track with the video track. Um, and yeah, obviously editing software does that automatically, but uh, it's still an extra step and uh, something else you have to consider and a, a bit of an extra overhead when you're editing stuff. So I thought, oh, I'll try on-camera audio. So I bought um, I bought a Rode Video Micro at first, and that was great. I was really happy with that. 
Uh, and then I bought the Rode VideoMic Pro uh, when I upgraded from my phone to uh, the Sony uh, camera. And uh, I wasn't really happy with the audio quality of that. Um, I think with the environment that I record in in here, uh, it's not great acoustically. Uh, and so I'm much better off with a microphone that's kind of close to my face. And an, an on-camera microphone is always going to be, um, you know, that that kind of meter or so away from me and kind of pick up the, the, the reverberations in the room and that kind of stuff. Um, so I actually went back to using the uh, the external mic uh, and then syncing it up in in, in editing. So um, that was an attempt at streamlining things that, that, that didn't uh, didn't go well. Um, <clears throat> one thing that has saved me time is that when I switched from Premiere to Resolve, um, I just find the workflow in DaVinci Resolve um, to be really uh, quite uh, logical and, and quite fast, just dropping stuff onto the timeline. Uh, I appreciate, you know, uh, different editors suit different people, uh, different people's styles, but uh, I just found that I, I really clicked with it. And also uh, when I bought the studio version of that, I got the speed editor, which is a piece of hardware with um, nice uh, mechanical keys and a, a big knob on it that uh, it, it really saves a lot of time of editing, um, just scrubbing backwards and forwards through the timeline and, and dropping clips in and, you know, you know, trimming things and that kind of stuff. It really makes that a lot easier. And another thing that I've kind of experimented with, uh, particularly when I did the shorts, which I need to talk about, and I'll talk about those in the next ramble, um, is batching stuff up. So, uh, you know, writing a batch of scripts, recording all of those in one go, um, you know, and then getting all of the footage together and then kind of editing all of that up in one go and then uploading those and uh, doing the um, like the on-screen subtitles and stuff with the external service that I use for those, uh, all kind of in a big batch. Uh, very much suits the way that I work and I think does save a lot of time, but can lead to uh, procrastination when it comes to <laughs> bigger videos. Although that said, at the minute, I have got two videos on the go. I've actually sat down and scripted and recorded uh, two full-blown videos uh, back to back, which I'm now editing. Uh, and the first one should be out very soon. So uh, yeah, uh, but if anyone has any tips uh, on how I can streamline things and save time, um, yeah, that, that would be good because uh, I think my whole process for making videos is still quite convoluted and quite complicated uh, just because I like to overcomplicate things. Um, yeah, anything that makes my life easier easier would be good. I've tried to do uh, more kind of unscripted videos in the past and I've never been really 100% happy with them. Um, they're good for kind of getting something out there, but um, yeah, I, I, tried to, I tried to sort of shy away from those nowadays. Um, like I say, for previously stated reasons of kind of keeping stuff concise. Um, but yeah, so I think that will do for now. I think this is going to be an epically long episode. Uh, my uh, voice is starting to go because uh, this has been such a uh, such a long recording session with so many different retakes and things. And now I'm going to have to sit and edit all of this um, and listen back to uh, my wonderful answers to your wonderful questions. So thank you everyone ever so much for your questions. They're really appreciated. I hope the answers have been interesting. And um, thanks for listening to this episode of Reese Rambles. And hopefully I will see you next time.